podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are tuning in from, uh, wherever you are in the world and whatever time it happens to be there. Uh, today we have a special show. We're going to be speaking to Marco, who is to my left, to my right. I don't know quite where you are. I think <laughs> to my left on the screen. How are you doing today, Marco? Good morning. Thank you for inviting me in this uh, nice chat. And we talk about a lot of tennis. In this case, Italian tennis, maybe. Italian tennis primarily and with a particular focus on Matteo Berrettini. Marco, of course, uh, you are a journalist. But tell us a bit more about you before we get into Berrettini. Okay, I'm a tennis journalist since, uh, uh, well, I think uh, quite for a while. And I write every wall on a site that's called Live Tennis, livetennis.it. It is one of the most important sites in Italy. And I have a collaboration with the Italian Tennis Federation too in, during the last four or five years. And uh, I love tennis. I'm really a sort of tennis addict since I was young. I was a player when I was young, very young. And I broke a leg when I was 14. Oh. So I abandoned any dreams of becoming a really good tennis player. But uh, I keep on following tennis. And uh, with the passion of writing and with this great love for tennis, I became a journalist. So uh, I follow the international and national tennis during all the years. This is the site. Perfect. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and I hope that we can grow and do every year a better site uh, involving more and more the appassionate in Italy. And Marco, as well, you were saying to me off air, uh, you were a little bit concerned about your English. But let me tell you now, uh, it's uh, uh, infinitely better than my Italian and probably most of the audience is Italian. So uh, you're doing great, by the way. Uh, listen. Marco, um, you've also written uh, a couple of books, including one on today's principal subject. Tell us a bit about your Berrettini book. Okay, uh, the book, uh, in, it, this one, we can traduce in English Berrettini, uh, the forza del pensiero can translate in the power of mind, because this is not a classical biography. I think it, it will make okay. no sense to have a biography, to write a biography on a tennis player that has playing, is playing at his best level just for four years, not so long. Mm -hmm. So this is a book I wrote with his, my friend Valentina Clemente, the tennis journalist too. And uh, we try to describe the mentality, the process of Verrettini of becoming a, such a good tennis player and is is this the mental strength, but not only the strength. His sort of philo philosophy for life in sport and in tennis, because Berrettini is very well known abroad in Italian, obviously, but abroad as this uh, really nice guy, beautiful man with such <laughs> powerful tennis. But he is really a, an incredible person. Talking to him, knowing his story, his family, his journey from becoming not such a talented player when he was young. He was not considered a phenomenal. No, not at all. A lot of uh, te technical uh, and uh, trainers uh, did, not, did not consider him a great talent. But he grew uh, step by step, uh, working a lot on his physique, 
but a lot on his mind with his coach, that is Vincenzo Santopadre, this is a former top 10 Italian mm-hmm. player, not so good, but with a great hand and a lot of uh, good uh, feeling about life. This is the most important thing that I hope we can uh, uh, present to the reader of this book. The Berrettini as a player, but above all as a person. His way to see life, sport, be a sport player, be a personality, but always remaining a good person, very, very uh, in contact with his family, with his background, with his past. He's a really, really important, interesting person. When you talk to him, when you uh, listen to him in a press conference, he's not, he, his words are never, uh, as a case, I can I don't find the correct per, the correct word in English. Uh, sometimes he surprises you with his words because he 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 go very deep in his thoughts, okay. even with the press. And this is quite strange because generally a press conference a lot of boring. We listen many times the same things. No, he uh, without questions he go very very deep in his thoughts, and this is very interesting. He works since uh, the beginning of his career with a mental coach that is a very nice person called Stefano Massari. And okay. they start this, uh, this work together every day, talking about, with, they don't talk about tennis. They talk, for example, for a film that he has seen the night before, or if we had a good dinner with friends, or if we had a, a, some thought about a war, about a, a, something that was happening in the world. He's a very, very, very deep person in, this, uh, in his mentality. And we try to present this part of him, because really not all the people know him. And I think that he's, he become a very good tennis player, above all, Thanks to this mentality, do the way he see life and live his life. And this is a, a picture of um, Berrettini's men, uh, mental coach. I think I've got on the screen here. Um, I wasn't familiar with him, Massari. You say right? Yeah, Stefano Massari. Yeah. And uh, how long have they been working together for? Do you know? I think they start from the very beginning of the career of Berrettini. I think in. 2017 or something like that. They worked together from when he was not a famous player, when he started to play challenges and so on. And this part of his training is for him, when we describe in the book, as important as the part on court and on uh, and, and, and with the physical part of the pro- of the process. Because for him to stay calm, focused. In, during the match is as important as to have his big forehand or his big serve. And it's correct, completely correct, because all we know how important it is to have a good, good matches in, in tournament to be able to stay focused, to stay strong, and to overcome any difficulty, any, any trouble, and any, and any problem during the match. Tell us a bit about his coach. Um, I think today, more than ever, uh, with so much t- tennis on our TV and on social media, we are looking a bit more at the coaches. We've got super fans out there that are getting angry with the coach rather than the player, if you like, uh, almost football-like. Plus, on our TV screens, at the end of every point, they're going to the coach in the box. Um, now, Berrettini's coach gets the same attention, but I don't think he's got quite the same profile as a Carlos Moya or a Goran Ivanisevic, for example. 
Uh, when uh, when Vincenzo Santopare stopped to play tennis, he became a classical uh, tennis coach uh, in an important club of Roma. But he was not the idea of becoming an international coach. Berrettini moved to the coach where his family was based to the coach of uh, uh, Santo Padre when he was uh, 14. And they started this journey. And it's quite uh, strange, this the, um, the, 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 the very first year of Berrettini on court, because Berrettini lived to play tennis and passed to swimming. But his, he has a brother called uh, Jacopo, that he was a quite talented guy, but he was not successful in being an important tennis professional player. That convinced him to return to play tennis, to play together. Because they said, no, come on, come on, come with me, we play together and this. And so Matteo said, okay, I'll be back playing tennis. And in this, we, we, uh, we write this on the book. When Matteo decided to be back on tennis and leave swimming, he decided to do it for real, to the okay, let's do the best I can. And Santo Padre find these two uh, brothers, Berettini, Jacopo and Matteo, in the club and see how Matteo was good. He has a real uh, perspective to become a very strong player. But when he was young, he was not so big, so tall, so strength. They work a lot on his physical and they ha- it's, it's, it was a very difficult journey because he had a lot of injury. He injured ankles, he injured knees, uh, back, shoulder, everything, (laughs) almost everything. But Santo Padre still keep on him, still focus on him, step by step, very, very slowly, working at the same time on his mind, on his body, on his technique. There is a, and um, 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 a very good thing that Adriano Panata, the, the, the former Italian champion of Rangaros in uh, 1976, when he saw Berrettini, he was, I think, uh, 16 or something like that, said, Matteo, you will arrive to serve uh, 2,020 kilometers hours. And Matteo said, you are crazy. I will never get this kind of serve. But there was... They was uh, working on, on every part of his game very slowly, uh, with no hurry, with giving not so many importance to the result as a junior player. When if, if you see the junior career of Berrettini, there is not so great result. He played the slams, the junior slam, but he, he didn't was so successful. But they uh, stay on the process. They believe that he had all that was necessary to become a great player. And so we have to have we have to, to, to give a lot of credit to Santo Padre to believe in Matteo, follow him, even if when he was injured, they stay calm, they stay tranquil, and step by step they arrive to the women's final. Yes, indeed they did. Um, that was up till now would be obviously the peak of Berrettini's career. Um, listen, let's get into uh, Berrettini a bit more in the modern day. As you say, he got to that Wimbledon final. Let's let's start the story there, if you like, from, from now. Um, and we'll look at his year this year. What was the feeling uh, regarding that Wimbledon final? Was it an opportunity missed or was it just an excellent sign that, that he's been progressing? He had a really, really consistent 2021 where I think he made the quarterfinals or, or deeper every single major. Yeah. And Wimbledon, of course, he wins the first set. Is there, a, is there a feeling of disappointment or just pride, do you think, regarding that result? 
Well, uh, in, in Italy, it was an inc- for it for it tennis Italian for Italian tennis was an incredible result because it was the first male the first player to have to reach a, a Wimbledon final. So it was an, an incredible result. But Matteo during the during the presentation of the trophy said, "This is the start of my career." So for him, it is a very important result. But it, my career starts now. I have to progress and I want to lead. I want, I want the, the trophy and not the second one. So uh, I think that Berrettini, in, in this moment, in this part, in this moment of his career, it was the peak of his career. But I think that he has the ability and the possibility to win Wimbledon, I think, because there are, in this moment, there are not so many players as good as him to play on grass. For example, this year, it was very very unfortunate because we remember that he played two tournaments on grass before Wimbledon and won both Stuttgart and Queens so he arrived at Wimbledon I think as the real second favorite uh, beyond Djokovic and he, he, he got COVID and so he was unable to play but I would like to see him play because maybe uh, it was it was him again in final against Djokovic and on Kyrgios for example and uh, with an year an important thing of Berrettini that I've seen during all his career he is a guy that is very, very quick to learn from his uh, uh, defeats. When mm-hmm. he loses to an important player, the second, the second time they play together, he adds something. He's a person that is very smart on court. He really learns with his defeats. And in the book, with the, the very first uh, part of the book, we wrote that for him, the um, to lose is more important than to win because he considers his journey has just started. He is in the first step. He wants to be a real champion, and and he said, when I lose, I have inside so many fire that I want to be better the second time that I play with with the player when I lose to him. So he see the match again, he study the match, he study why he loses the match, and every time he was better in the, in the second match against a, an opponent. So this is one of the best quality of Matteo. So I think that we will see again at Wimbledon, and if we will be healthy, he will be in, in the future he will be one of the, or the real contender of this incredible trophy. Yeah, Um Listen, I think that's a really interesting point you make about losing and, and it's a part of the sport and, uh, and it can be used correctly for a motivation as well and learning from the defeats. These are actually all things that as well that Roger Federer, I remember saying as well that, you know, the arguably or certainly one of the most successful players ever to pick up a racket Um he, you know, he said that losing is 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 a huge. It's 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 a part of the sport, and it's something you have to recognize. It can happen. It will happen. And by the way, um, I'm I'm glad you mentioned it as well because I've only ever written one book. By the way, I'm not quite on your level um, in terms of writing books, but um, I've got a book, and it's called Even the Defeats, <laughs> and it's about football, uh, and more specifically Alex Ferguson. And 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 basically, the the premise of the book is that despite being Britain's most successful coach. Um, the way he dealt with and the way he learned from losing is a very important factor. And that's absolutely the same for any sport. And it doesn't matter if you're the most, in a way, I would actually argue that the most successful people in sport ever are the ones 
that deal with the defeat in the best manner, learning from it, using it as motivation, you know, seeing it as a lesson, if you like. Anyway, um, I've, I've digressed a little bit. The problem that Berrettini, of course, has had is that in terms of the last 18 months, if you like, since that Wimbledon final, his ranking has slipped a bit. But as you said, very unfortunate. Let's let's begin with, um, so post-Wimbledon, of course, uh, I think he gets to the US Open quarterfinal where he loses to Djokovic again. In fact, last year, I think he only lost to Djokovic and Nadal yeah. at all the, all the majors. In fact, he was injured for Australia. He had to pull out against Tsitsipas, didn't he? I'm talking about last 2021. Yeah, and then well. he gets... To the quarterfinals at the French Open, loses to Djokovic, loses to Djokovic again in in in, in Wimbledon yes, again, and again in in New York. But 2021 has not gone to plan. But most of it has been out of his hands. In January, um, he beats Alcaraz, of course. Yeah. In in January, semi-final in Melbourne, loses to Nadal. Semi-final. It was the first, very first Italian to reach semi-final Australian Open. Yeah, right. And so uh, let's just have a quick... Do, do you remember anything about the Alcaraz match? Because that was an incredible match, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alcaraz, maybe when we find in, in the draw Italian players with Sinner who beat him yeah, Wimbledon true. too. <laughs> and in the final of Umag too, Alcaraz was beaten by Sinner. Yeah. And yeah, it was a really, a really incredible match because... Alcaraz was growing in, 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 it was impressive in that match. It was impressive. He was so young, so talented with an intensity. He's so complete. He really, he has everything to dominate the sport. He's a really, is a nice guy. He really is everything that a, a tennis player can dream. But in this match, Berrettini uh, was really impressive, not only with his serve, he make a lot of decisive points with his serve, but staying calm because in a, in a very in many parts of the match, uh, uh, Alcaraz was overwhelming, really. But Berrettini was so smart, uh, waiting that the storm passed, and when he has the possibility, he put a great shot. In, in fact, if I if I remember well, the match uh, was decided with with a, with a tiebreaker in the fifth, if I remember well, and exactly. Berrettini was unplayable on his serve. And he plays, if I remember well, two incredible back and back. He moves so wide, Alcaraz on his side, and then two foot forward, strong backhand, boom, and he takes two important points. So this is really how a player can be strong mentally, to stay calm, stay focused. In that match, maybe, not maybe, Alcaraz played better than Berrettini. But Berrettini was there, was waiting, and when he has a chance, he takes it. So this is really a demonstration of how Berrettini is strong mentally. Alcaraz is 10,000 better player than, uh, than Berrettini. But Berrettini was there and, and take a chance. Um, of course, Berrettini ends up getting to the quarterfinals where he's to meet... Uh, one of the greats, of course, of the sport in Rafael Nadal. I think as well with Nadal, Nadal somehow manages to find Berrettini's backhand a lot yeah. more easily than other players. And yeah. I remember the first two sets of that match. It was just like rally, 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 uh, breakdown of the, the Berrettini backhand. And, and pretty much for two and a half sets or two sets, that's how it was. Um, what were your thoughts on this match? Well, Nadal uh, will be always uh, maybe the worst uh, uh, 
the worst player that Berrettini can uh, can play with it because the real weakness of Berrettini is the backhand side. He has not so bad backhand, but he had some troubles to uh, bring the ball when it's very high. Yeah. Berrettini play a quite good backhand on grass because the ball bounces low. So yeah. he can get with the with a good timing, enter in the ball and uses very well the back too. But if you do a back with Nadal, Nadal is so quick, so fast to make two stop or forward in the, in the field and boom, he explodes his foreign and the, the, the point is basically over. And obviously, as Nadal make thousands of times against Federer, he punches, punches, punches on the left side of Berrettini, and Berrettini really is really in big trouble. We, I don't know really when if Berrettini could improve a lot of his backhand. And in his thoughts, and, and we and we write this on the book. In his opinion, he's he is not a so bad backhand, but in reality, is not so good compared to his incredible foreign to his serve. Sometimes. Uh, in Italy, uh, when ex-players, uh, coach, uh, uh, talk about Berrettini, they say he has to work hard, work hard, work hard on his back. And, but sometimes they say it's better to have a player with the two incredible weapons has foreign and serve and a, a weakness has a, a, a back and not so good. It's better that he try to improve a lot of back end, or it's better to stay the best is best with foreign and uh, and serve. This is a discussion. I really don't know, but I think that sometimes when you have two incredible weapons as him, it's better to stay in this way, to stay focused in his strength than to lose his, his focus and to put all the work in the back end, maybe don't reach him to have a very big one on his left side. So tennis is a, a sport, very strange sport, because sometimes uh, an opponent have a weapon that put you in serious trouble, even if you are better than him. And in this case, Berrettini will be always in trouble with lefty players that have really good backhand. Djokovic, for example, is incredible in his backhand. So in this part of the game, he will be always suffering. But he have to obviously work to improve. But I think not, not, not uh, so much with a straight forehand to give a lot of strength, but with his back. Because if he, if we work a lot of back, he can uh, cut the ball and so take times to be back in the center of the court or to move with a, in, on the left side and then to fire a very strong forehand. This is a very, is not, is a very subtle things because it depends a lot of situation in court, obviously. But obviously, the backhand is the real weakness of Matteo with the physique too because of his, all his injuries. This is the two part that are the words of Berrettini's play. The, the physical part with all the injuries and obviously yeah. backhand. And really injuries and unfortunate incidents really have, has played a large part in his 2022. Uh, moving on from Australia, um, just trying to think, he must have missed the French Open. Did he miss the French Open through injury? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, uh, what injury did he have there? Hand. 
Yeah, the mm. problem to his hand. Basically, he plays last match, if I remember well, in Indian Wells, and then he stop. He have a surgery to his hand, and maybe to be back on Rangaros was too early. He preferred to skip it and go directly on grass to prepare at, at his best Wimbledon. And it, it was a good decision. He won the two tournaments for Wimbledon. He did. He did. In fact, I would say this year um, on grass... He was looking even more ominous than last year when he got to the final. Uh, I know that some people were going into this year's Wimbledon with with Nadal as their second favorite. We all know who the favorite is and, and was, <laughs> and was and, and rightly so. Some people had Nadal as their second favorite, also understandable. But for me and many other observers, I had Berrettini as the second favorite. Of course, Berrettini and Nadal were in one half of the draw. Djokovic was in the other. Yeah. It looked like Djokovic was going to get to the final and then it would be a Berrettini-Nadal shootout in the semi. Uh, things didn't work out that way. And I was at Wimbledon this year. Uh, I, I don't know if you did you go to you didn't go to Wimbledon, right? You said no, no. So uh, I was at Wimbledon this year and I do remember uh, that news breaking about Berrettini. I think there had been one or two other COVID cases. I know Bautista Agut was one of the COVID cases, but Bautista Agut played his first round match and then and then tested positive afterwards. Um, but I think it was just hours before Berrettini was going to take to the court to play Christian Garin, I think. Um, and Garin ends up getting to the quarterfinals. And I spoke to Christian, by the way, at the at the tournament as well. And I said, Christian, how many grass courts do they have in Chile? And he said, none. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you're doing well. But also, I think we have to realize that he was the biggest beneficiary, if you like, and along with maybe yeah. Nick Kyrgios, who makes the final from from that from that COVID situation. So I remember the story going around Wimbledon, like Berrettini. What Berrettini's out? So this is transforming certainly the 2022 Wimbledon, uh, and arguably to some extent careers and and history, because uh, I think that he was close to Djokovic, but not close enough in 2021. Four sets, winning the first set gets away from him at the beginning of the second. And when Djokovic gets that bit of momentum, it's very difficult to stop. But I think Berrettini's form, I mean, he won uh, Queens, right? And he won another grass court tournament in Germany, oh, I believe. Stuttgart. Yeah, Stuttgart as well. Be Andy Murray, I think, in the final. So, yeah. so um, you know, I think he was looking even better this year. I don't think I, he wasn't. I think he won Queens maybe without dropping a set. Um, yeah. But it was very impressive. And by the way, let's let's just have a little moment for the human side. I don't know if you're aware, but this year in the UK, we lost a not lost, but she retired uh, from TV work. Sue Barker. And uh, she's sort of a legend of television in the UK. She's been working on the BBC for many years. She also won the French Open title as a, as a player. But um, this year was her last year working at Wimbledon and also doing the on-court interviews, etc. At Queen's, I think it was immediately after the match finished. Of course, Berrettini's with the microphone with, with Sue Barker. And he says, hang on a second. I think, I think we also need to say something about you and your goodbye from the sport. And I just want to recognize that. And it was a really nice touch from Berrettini. Yeah. 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 He's a really good person, really. Um, I don't think this because he's Italian, because he's our best player, but it's a really, really nice person. I think it's a person, if you go for a pizza, for a dinner together, you enjoy a lot your night because it's a really, really interesting person. He likes to joke. He likes to talk about politics, about life, about books, about film. He's a sort of film addicted. He loves Tarantino's film, for example. He's a sort of... <laughs> so he has a lot of interest. He, he he read a lot of Herman Hesse book because 
he's he, 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 he likes to explore life uh, he's very interesting to people and the thing you said now about Zubecker the most perfectly the person who he is because he's a very very person who's connected with people and with the world he there are a lot of Gevegger good play, for example, Tsitsipas that lives in a sort of bubble. He thinks a lot just of himself. No, Veritin is very connected to people, to the world, to his friends. He likes to walk and uh, at night in New York City just to see how, how the people live. He's a very interesting people. He is he, interesting to life and to person. I'm glad you mentioned uh, uh, the New York thing because there's a, a pizzeria, I think, in New York. I remember in 2019. Uh, when he got to the semifinals uh, that year at, at, um, in New York, when he and I was there was a, a clip on Eurosport about his uh, his friendship, if you like, that he developed with a, a restaurant owner yeah. in New York, <laughs> uh, and and now we see every U.S. Open we see him yeah. in in Berrettini's box. In fact, we've got him on the screen okay. here uh, with a long beard there. <laughs> And uh, this must be from a year or two ago because, of course, there's Berrettini's ex-girlfriend in the picture. But, yeah, I, I just remember the guy with the long bit because I remember this little clip on Eurosport. 2019, it was just before the, the semi-final against Nadal, and it was like one of these sort of character things, and it showed this guy, this restaurant guy, and, yeah, Berrettini. And, and now he's in Berrettini's box every year in, in New York. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They become friends. They become friends. They're just a, a sort of Italian... Uh, uh, Scaramancia, I don't remember as we say, just to believe that if uh, at every match uh, he won with this guy in his box, he, you have to be in my box in the next one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lucky <laughs> charm, a lucky charm. <laughs> okay, yes, but but in general, he really loved to stay with people. He loved to stay with people, to meet new people, to have experience. He's a very curious person. So he's a very interesting person to talk with and to spend time. So uh, this is normal for him to to share his thoughts, his emotion, to meet people, to go out. And so uh, it's Berrettini it's, with this great smile, with enjoying life. Uh, it's, it's really a very good uh, manifesto for uh, Italian sport and Italian people, really. He's a really, really good Italian person. My thoughts on Berrettini's year 2022 has been disappointing, but mostly for the injuries, the, the COVID situation on the eve of, of his best chance at winning a major. So most of the things have been out of his hands. I think the one on-court disappointment for me would be the US Open. Yeah, I, thought that, I thought that with Nadal going out to TFO, Medvedev going out to Kyrgios, uh, Djokovic, of course, not being there, Zverev injured too. You know, there were not many contenders, if you like. He was also on the opposite side of the draw to Alcaraz and Sinner. Yeah. Uh, so I thought to myself, once, once you know, Medvedev goes out in particular, and Kyrgios too uh, went out in the quarterfinals, um, I was thinking there's a really good chance for Berrettini at least to get to the final here. And I was really surprised at how, how comfortably Kasparud won that match. Yeah, it was maybe the worst uh, defeat of his year. And we have to say one thing. Berrettini uh, has this very massive uh, body. He needs to, to get the form. He needs to play several matches. And uh, the tournament before US Open played quite badly. He needs time to get in his best shape. So he was not able during US Open to find the real rhythm. He was complaining about his serve, about the movement of his feet. Mm, he, 
in during all the tournament, he played quite badly. We follow we follow obviously every match during this tournament, and we have a lot of fear facing Rude that he could lose. And in fact, he lose because he was never able to get his best rhythm with his strength, and he was not so fast on court. Really, he spent a very bad. Uh, second part of the season, and we see how he finished. He lost to Musetti the final in Naples, the new ATP uh, 2050. And uh, in Davis Cup, he was put in, in the last moment uh, in, in field, but he, he plays poorly because he's not a double player, too. But the defeat with Rude, I think it was the worst defeat of his year. And uh, Rude is another player that is suffered. He loses another match in Rome during the Internazionale d'Italia. And if you call to Berrettini, what he, which is one of the defeats that you really hate the most? He loved the tournament of Rome. And this defeat against Rude, he really never overcame it at all. He's a, an opponent that he suffered, maybe for his great rhythm, for his strength, for his way to punch his heart, the ball on his back. And, but really, this defeat in this year, US Open against Rude, was really, really disappointed. We never had a moment during the match when we sense he can really turn the match on his side. And this is the worst thing, because I think that the best, the best Berrettini could beat Rude. But in this match, he really had no chance. Indeed. Um, but I was just surprised at how easy it, it, the result was, at least, for Casper. For and it probably wasn't until the third set that it got interesting. Anyway, um, listen, 2022 will be obviously put down as being a bit of a disappointing year. But as we already highlighted, mostly for the injuries, etc. What about 2023, Marco? Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. What, what would be a good year? What should Berrettini be aiming for? He starts defending the semi-final the Australian Open, it will not be easy at all. Mm. For the same for, for, for the same ideas, he needs to get rhythm. So he will play this exhibition in Arabia in these days. Mm -hmm. Then we'll get we'll go down under in Australia and we hope that we could make a very good tournament, but it will not be easy to defend this one. Then we hope the best important thing for him is to stay healthy. This is the most important thing. And uh, we write on the book that we talk with many um, uh, professionals of this sector. For example, Stefano Baraldo, that was physician trainer of uh, Flavia Pennetta, for example, during her career. And he said that Berrettini maybe will suffer during all this career some problem. Because the most important problem of, of the Berrettini physique is that he has his uh, leg quite thin and the upper part of his body very strong but heavy. So we have this is not so well defined. And this is something that he, he can work anymore on this. He is in this way. I think that for him will be very, very important to arrive in a best shape on grass, trying to really to be a real contender Wimbledon. But for this, I think it's important that he could, could have a quite good clay season, not just to win tournament, but to have continuity to have to play every week without problem and arriving on grass with his best shape and try to give his best at Wimbledon. I think that the two main focus for Berrettini in 2023 will be defend the Australian Open, stay healthy and arrive at Wimbledon in his best shape. I think this is the two main goals for him, obviously. And he would like to be back, obviously, in Turin, in the ATP Finals. But this will be to be... 
at least number eight in the world. So I will be to make very, very strong in slams. This is the most important. And Berrettini in his career has never won till now um, um, one of the ninth play, best player of ATP, the, the master, the master Mille. So I think to win one, to win Rome or to win, I don't know, Indian Wells, Miami, one of this one could be a very good result for him. But especially Australian Open and Wimbledon. Maybe Madrid as well. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's got to the final there, I think, a I year know. or two ago. Uh, he's pretty good on all surfaces, but you would possibly think that maybe Clay would be, um, you know, I, I don't think he'll, maybe he'll never win a French Open, but but if you're going to win a Clay Court tournament, I think Madrid is the one. Madrid. Uh, listen, uh, I before I let you go, Marco, I do want to just highlight this other book that you've written as well, uh, oh. <laughs> or co-written, I should say. Tell us a bit about this. Okay, this is traducing English really racket and habits. It's okay. a very curious um, book, uh, not so big. Uh, I wrote with Marcella Marconi, that is a f- uh, physio, um, or I would say, a psychoanalyst, and we talk about how important it for sport player and tennis in particular to work on habits, to work on routine, because there are little things, but they are very important for players and tennis players to work well, to stay calm and focus on court. Well, we all know all the, the routine of Nadal, for example, but every tennis player has his routine, his things. And so we try to develop this concept about the importance of routine, of habits, of stay calm, stay focused on court, with many uh, examples of tennis players that are playing now and uh, of the past. So it's a, it's a small book, but I think it's still, it's still uh, uh, I think I, people can enjoy reading it because it's a, it's a book with no time. Uh, so I think it's a good every year. It's a timeless book. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, the mental side of sport and especially an in individual sport where you've got to keep your nerve like tennis. I think it's very interesting you mentioned the routine element. I mean, I know that Rafa Nadal uh, has been talking in, in, at various points about these these habits that he has, if you like. And um, many people thought perhaps at first it was about superstition. He said, I'm not superstitious at all. <laughs> it's all about routine. Yeah. Uh, because outside of the court, he's not superstitious. He's not doing these things and, and stuff like that. But um, uh, on the court, he said it's just great to have this sort of constant yeah. thing to keep the yeah. focus. Yeah. There are things that makes you calm, tranquil. I think that I'm doing this. I'm having my routine. But it's just for the preparation. Every single player, when approach a match, have a preparation that is biblically the same from here to here, basically. And it's something very important because the mind works well when do the same things because it relaxes you, focuses him, listen music, uh, stretching, uh, cool down, uh, have a shower, eating something, little things, but they're important. Every player has different. So he's quite curious to discover every player, how approach the match and live his, his uh, day, the day of the match. Uh, but training too, but the day of the match is the most important. And after match, because many players have a lot of routines when they go out of court too. Exactly, indeed. And listen, Marco, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on today, talking about obviously your your book, Rackets and Habits there, which is available at least in Italian on uh, Amazon, as is your other book, of course, on Matteo Berrettini uh, that came out this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, exit three weeks ago. So it's very, very fresh.
Yeah, I could see how fresh it was, mainly because of the picture um, uh, involved in that it was a picture from uh, from this year's, I think, Australian yeah. Open, I think. So yeah, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was I could see that he was wearing the the Hugo Boss outfit yeah. that he he's been wearing this year and uh, from the beginning of this year. So I was like, oh, that must be fairly fresh. Uh, listen, Marco, I just want to say a big thank you for coming along. Thank you to you. It was a pleasure to be here. And uh, for the rest of you, uh, thank you for stopping by. enjoyed this video make sure you hit that like button don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis sports social podcast network